Hello and welcome to Off the Arrow Shelf Podcasts. I'm Rob, the author of OffTheArrowShelf.com and host for these podcasts. If you're a new listener, then hi, thanks for dropping by, and I'm glad that you managed to find us. If you're returning, then many thanks for returning for another episode. Off the Arrow Shelf is aimed at promoting the hobby of field archery in the UK. Hi guys, it's me again. Uh, so this is actually episode 19 and I'm recording it almost back to back to episode 18, which was the one on distance judgment in archery. I uh, hope you listened to it. I hope you found it useful. I decided to do this because of the fact I realised I was wittering on for hours and hours, and it felt like hours and hours about distance judgment and I was beginning to talk about course laying and I didn't think that was right so what I wanted to do was give some tips and advice to those archers that are out there that might be shooting field courses now from the perspective of some societies this is going to be kind of boring because some societies shoot marked distances. NFAS, National Field Archery Society, don't do this. It is, if you read the homepage, the strap line of it is the home of unmarked distances. That's the important factor here. The courses that I set, the courses which I will shoot, whether it be local competitions for fun or national tournaments, are all unmarked distances which means that you have to develop the abilities to judge distance. And that's what I tried to cover in the previous podcast, kind of ideas of how you can develop uh, the abilities and hone your skills. So the first thing was the element of judging that, of judging distances and whether you were gap shooting or consciously judging distances, becoming familiar with it. This one is going to look more at what tricks the course layer will try and use to mess with your head, to make you take that second shot. And if you remember what I said previously in um, the, the last podcast, my top tip was look twice, shoot once. And that comes from an old DIY phrase, which I'm sure some people may have heard of hopefully you've heard of, about uh, measure twice and shoot once. The idea being is if you've done any DIY or destroyed yourself, as sometimes I think it is because I'm not very good, you will sometimes measure something, cut it, and then realize you actually measured it wrong or you didn't allow for a factor. And the item will either be too short or too long. Uh, wallpaper hanging if you've ever done wallpaper hanging it's a classic here Um, it's something I've done once or twice it's not something I'm hugely proficient at doing but I was taught by my grandfather uh, to do this when I was about seven years old and uh, he was meticulous about it I think it's because he he came from a background of being a toolmaker and an engineer Um, and he was always a case of measure it twice and uh, it's just something that i do so it's well worth remembering when you're doing any diy but it's equally important when it comes to shooting and uh, 
archery for the simple reason if you take the time to look twice to get that perspective um, that second perspective on a target quite often it will result in you um, only having to take one arrow and a course layer and I will freely admit I am one of these not just a course layer but I am one of those devious types of course layers that will try and mess with your head I will use optical illusions an optical illusion is when something occurs and your eyes see, see the data but your brain interprets it in such a way as it's not accurate there are lots of them out there um, you know Jasper uh, it, it's an interesting bit of military history if anybody's into that I'm, I used to be quite into military history there's a guy called Jasper Maskelin I think it's Jasper Maskelin he was a illusionist in uh, the 1930s and 40s and he worked with the British it was the British Army if I remember correctly um, about optical illusions to fool German bombers and he came up with some fantastic ideas have a read of him Jasper uh, Maskelin because he's the guy that made the Nile disappear yeah that's the kind of level of illusions that he would do and that the way that he did that is fantastic anyway that's the whole idea optical illusions are a trick in your eye is what people will do now when I was talking about distance judgment in the last podcast I was saying how people will generally uh, judge distances in usually five yard increments five ten whatever the really good ones will judge it down to yards individual yards a course layer knows this and I will freely admit that if I'm putting a, a, a course out I will avoid setting any targets and any pegs where the target will be at a regular distance so I won't set a target at 30 yards I won't set a target at 35 yards or 20 yards or 25 yards I'll set it at 32 yards or 28 yards 34 yards or 37 yards I will always be a couple of yards one way or the other on a target and I won't always be a couple of yards over because that's the other thing some people do they'll go oh well I want to make it a bit more challenging so normally you'd see this target at 30 yards 35 30 yards I'll put it at 34 yards and they'll do it on every single target they'll just add a little bit more on you see it at pre-champs and at sometimes championships courses really annoys me because once you've sussed the person's just stretching the targets a stretch target is a target that is set further than is comfortable or is practical for some archers um, you just basically allow for it and then all the interest has gone out of the shop so there's the first tip for you look twice shoot once and think about how course layers will do it sometimes you'll find courses are set by multiple people and I remember doing one champs course and there was a team of four of us that did it um, Steve Andy Sharon myself and we put in all of those targets and people would shoot those targets and they would go oh it's obvious that such and such has done this or there's a there's a split here and <laughs> we kind of chortled away to ourselves because we actually went around all four of us and we said well okay this target what we're going to do here how about this shot and we decided on the shots as a group and we each contributed something different um, 
Andy was shooting crossbow and sighted compound at that time. Steve was shooting barebow. Sharon was shooting hunting tackle, I think, and I was shooting flatbow. So we all were shooting different styles of bows. We were all kind of thinking, okay, well, we'll do this and we can do this. But people thought that they were set by different people because they said, oh, well, this felt like this one and this felt like this one. Well, it might be a case of the initial shot was identified by the same person, but they were all set by a team of us. And you will find that you, you when you start shooting courses, there are specific styles of courses that some clubs will do. Anyway, let's go back to this kind of like course laying and optical illusions. When you go out to your field courses, changing the perspectives of how you're when you're shooting a target will help you judge that distance. So a course layer may try to restrict your view of a target. So it would appear either closer or further. So when you get to the peg, have a look, step to one side, look again as you're approaching the peg and have a look and see what's possible. One important thing though is, is, is try not to overthink it. A good course layer will probably set one or two trick shots in every 20 targets. Any more than that and it just becomes silly. But if you just put enough in to make people think, and you don't have to do it on every single peg. That's why I quite like using wasp pegs for um, sighted compounds and crossbows. Because you can set them a challenge without it having a detrimental effect on those that are shooting traditional bows. You need to as a course layer you need to think about the trajectories of bows because some bows like long bows will have a different arc to a, a flat trajectory compound and i said before about my walking stick with the holes in so that when you when i go out on a walk i can put that walking stick on the peg and that'll be at the height of a an archer who is five foot tall in their eye height so that i can ensure that there's no intervening terrain brambles bushes etc those brambles and bushes will be providing what's called dead ground. They will be providing an area of, of ground which is hard to view. That dead ground might be 8 yards, but will appear to be either 12 yards or might appear to be less, depending on the lay of the land. So looking at a target and taking care to identify a dead ground is really really important. In the last podcast I made a comment about Richard shooting um, a bobcat that we put out on the old um, Briar Rose course and this was it. What we did with that is we used a tree log to disguise the final distance to the, the target so that because he was shooting along a flat ground and this tree log was about 12 14 inches high you had actually um, a greater distance between the log and the target than actually appeared using dead ground so by moving the archer further back that amount of dead ground increases also with that shot in particular what i done is i put the other pegs shooting pegs so it's an open field at what looked like regular distances so that people would go okay well I know the distance between the wasp peg and the red one the red to the white is the same and they weren't they were just slight differences but they were enough to start fooling the eye and again it's an optical illusion one thing that 
that is a big optical illusion is quite often used is shooting through avenues so that a target will be allocated down an avenue of trees or what will appear to be an avenue this will fool your eye because it will kind of draw you in and depending on how you shoot you might think it's closer or it's further away um, a really good thing that I saw uh, or sorry I heard I think it was on the push podcast was the way that somebody had done this with um, a field and what they'd done is they'd put a target in the field and normally a target in the field even though it's just long distance it's just an open ground you can usually judge it but what they'd done is they they plowed they tried they'd cut a path through the grass leading to the target but the path wasn't a straight path it looked like it was a uh, a straight path but in reality what they'd actually done is they made the path narrower at the target and wider at the shooter so it looked like it was that much further it gave the optical illusion of the target was further fantastic idea i think it's brilliant i'm gonna have to use that another thing that course layers will do to mess with your head is is that if the target has is on legs so it's, if it's a standing bear if it's a a standing elk or deer they'll hide the legs they'll use um, undergrowth bracken grass to disguise that so on one target I set on one course there is a 3d bear and it comes in a five foot I think it's a five foot seven foot and six foot height these bears and we had I think we had the the five foot bear the thing being is it comes in multiple people so the head of the bear is exactly the same, same shape and style as the for the, the the five the six and the seven foot bear the only difference is the actual body changes the, the, the length of the legs and the body so if you just see the head and the kind of top part of the torso you won't necessarily realize that that's a the five the six or one unless it's right up against a tree you can get a judgment what we did was we positioned it at a slight angle behind undergrowth so it looked like the bear had reared up on its back legs and it was just having a look around and so many people misjudged it so many people thought it was the six foot bear and it wasn't the, it was the five foot bear because the fact that because it was rearing up over the undergrowth they think oh it must be higher quite often if you disguise the lower part of the 3d so long as the, the, the one of the rules in Durenfast is that the kill zone the highest scoring zone of the 3d has to be visible and clearly visible but if you hide the legs if you if you disguise it in such a way as it looks as though the animals coming out from behind the trees or there's a intervening terrain whether it be a log or anything like that then distance judgment because your eyes attracted to the terrain in front the brambles in front and then you're trying to think okay is it just in those brambles or is it a significant distance behind those it'll confuse you so I feel like I'm giving away lots of tricks of the trade here but um, it's useful from a perspective of somebody learning to shoot these so you've got the optical illusion of using dead ground 
lights and, and shadow plays a huge part. Um, I made a comment in the last podcast about having a large 3D, large white 3D op- in the what looks like the open um, in in a wood. So it's in an open area of the wood, but it's white in surrounded by browns and greens, and it looks out of place. That can quite often be harder to shoot for an archer because if they're trying to pick a specific spot on the target it can be quite hard because their eyes wander because there's nothing to pick out. It's also the fact that because it looks so alien to that space um, it again it kind of makes you think okay is that closer is that larger is that wrong. Lights and shadows though dappled lighting especially on um, targets can really confuse the eye because again it disguises the, the the target and it also you start catching the light and you think okay am I looking at the light oh that's where it is I know if you put a dark target there's a, a bedded mountain line I think it's bedded panther which is all black if you put that into a dark area it's very hard for somebody who's using a, a sight or a crossbow or a, whatever the site with a crossbow or a compound to actually pick out detail. Instinctive archers or people who aren't using a sight will be able to see the entire animal but people who are using a sight are looking through and are focusing on one tiny area and it's very easy to lose that. So again that's a trick. Shooting from bright light into the dark or shooting from the dark out into bright light you know if I've got the option of putting a target um, into cover and the archer out in the open so they're having to kind of judge how far they shot it or how much ground there is between them and the start of the wood and then into the wood is one thing because then you've got dappled light in the wood if you reverse that so that the archer is then shooting out of woods into the open then you can have a factor like wind speeds so if the wind then catches the arrow it might blow it away the archer will find it hard to then judge that final bit of distance um, in in the open because it's easier to judge something when you've got a something to judge it against whether it be a tree or grass or undergrowth. Uh, one lovely trick I saw done I think it was at Druids a couple of years ago. Druids field archers do a two day shoot and they do fantastic course, really good course layers down there, um, and on the first day they had this bear and it was a standing bear and it looked like it was in the open field and you shot it there was a standing grass and you shot it over a bank and I looked at it and thought mm, there's something not quite right with this I'm gonna go I'm gonna aim high and I feel that's gonna work better for me and I, I got it and when you go up, you actually found what they'd done is they hadn't used the lower half of the 3D. They'd actually mounted the 3D on a on a boss on the ground. So they put a boss flat on the ground and mounted it on there. Uh, but from the shooting peg, it looked as though the bear was stood up. So imagine a bear kind of like just kind of lifting itself up. And that's, that's what it looked like. But you didn't see that until you got close. And I thought, really clever. On the second day, they had the same shot roughly the same peg position but what they did is they actually put the legs on the bear had it as a standing bear and moved it further back people shot it and they were going oh I remember this shot from last time bump missed dropped in the leg really nice trick 
very clever the use of ground, very clever use of the undulating ground and the grass. Optical illusion. Shoot once, you probably shoot twice. Or look once, you shoot twice. Look twice, you might shoot once. So that's another one. Hiding the legs, using that intervening, that dead ground. Yeah. Um, I made a comment earlier. Course layers may put pegs out so that they are easily visible. Now, personally, I don't like doing that. The only time I'll do that sorry, uh, is to deliberately confuse. Um, but I will do that deliberately to act as an optical illusion. So people will start kind of judging the distances based on the pegs and the pegs will vary in distance and they'll think it's irregular. One of the tricks you can also use, and you'll see course layers use, and we've started doing it, is bosses come in, target bosses come in standard size, then uh, 90, 90 centimeter square, which is three foot square approximately, and 130 centimeters, which, if my maths is right, is about four and a half foot. By camouflaging the bosses, and it's a good idea because not all bosses foam is, is, is nice clean black sometimes it's quite bright color so by camouflaging the bosses but also by painting the wooden frame that goes around the bosses the bosses disappear so some archers will look at a boss and go I know that's a 90 centimeter boss I know that's a 1300 boss therefore I know how far it is because I shoot them by disguising them they suddenly lose it and they go right okay they can't use that as a guide so that it also helps with um, keeping the bosses and keeping the wood lasting that little bit longer because quite often it's soft wood and uh, it deteriorates and rots quite quickly. When you're setting targets, you need to be considering tree canopy and also weather. In wet weather, the tree canopy will come down. Um, so on wet days, a shot that might have been fine will suddenly become really, really difficult or maybe impossible for those people with low poundage long bows who have a higher trajectory. And as I said before, under NFAS, you don't have to have completely clear-cut lights. You can have branches coming out, etc. Think about will your arrow, and sorry, so this has an impact about your arrow trajectory and you becoming familiar with your arrow trajectory and also how your arrow, how much ground you need for your arrow to straighten quickly. So if you've got a shot where you're going through a gap in the trees, you need to be, as a, from a course ledge perspective, think about those people whose arrows and bows are not set up as well as others, and they may find that their arrows are fishtailing, they're wavering more, they're taking longer to straighten. So when you're setting a course, you need to think about the fact that not everybody will be able to get through that gap. Is it going to be safe for everybody? That's why when you're setting something for compounds and crossbows, you can make the windows between gaps between trees tighter because their arrows generally stiffer and they straighten quicker. Not so much with flat bows and low poundage bows. Sorry, um, long bows, I mean. So give that um, some consideration, but remember that a course layer will put a target out so that there might be a tree in your line of vision and it's deliberately there to cause you to shy away you may look if you look at a target and you can see a tree um, and remember the target is coming out from behind the tree and you focus on that tree i can guarantee you that's where your arrow is going to go because that's where you're focusing your target is the 3d it is the paper face whatever 
that's where you should be looking yes look at the tree be aware that it's there think okay I know that's there but I'm shooting at that and as long as you know how your arrows perform over that distance then you don't have a problem you look at the tree you hit the tree you look at the target you'll hit the target one thing I was going to mention uh, is shooting up and up and downhill quite a few people find quite challenging we were lucky when we first started shooting because we started uh, in a club that was on a hillside so we actually only had a half dozen flat shots most of the shots were down or uphill that meant that you learned to have a good stance so that you were stable but also meant that you learned to teapot i.e. bend at the waist for those kind of shots a lot of people shoot on completely flat ground so when they're presented with courses that are on an incline um, courses like uh, Lime Valley up in Stoke Hawk down in South Wales they are on hillsides they are very very challenging courses because they are on hillsides and they've also got some really good course layers they will make use of that so practicing that is useful there's actually um, a table out online about how much you should knock off if you're doing gap shooting or using a conscious method of aiming uh, how you adjust for um, both angle and for distance there's a, there's a table that you can actually come up with have a look online for it I might try and find it if I can I've got a range finder that actually tells me the um, inclines and the degree of incline uh, I deliberately bought that because I wanted to know because the, the hillsides that we were using I wanted to know what kind of inclines uh, we, we could use and how it would affect the shots but the other trick that a course layer will do is they won't a good course layer uh, might put a shot up and down a really devious one will put it slightly off so that rather than just shooting vertically straight and up down and down the hill what they'll do is you'll be shooting slightly at the angle across the hill as well because that makes it harder because not only are you having to judge the distance but you're also having to judge the angle at that distance one piece that I'm going to tell you about is something that we did um, a few years back on one course we put uh, normally a course layer will put targets out at different distances so you might shoot target one might be 12 yards target two might be 30 yards target four might be uh, 40 yards target three might be back to 10 yards 20 yards so that um, the old adage is it, it forces those with sights to adjust their sights and it means that you're not kind of shooting everything at the same, same distance now that's a good a good course layers should do a good course will have that it will force you to start uh, modifying it I did something on one course which breaks that rule I put four targets out and of those four targets three of them were within a yard of one another and I did it deliberately so I put um, a, let's say target one out was at 32 yards target two was 33 yards target four was four yards yes four yards and target three sorry target four was um, 32 yards and I did it deliberately because I wanted to challenge people because each of those targets was again an optical illusion I used the terrain to change how they 
were perceived by the archers. So the first target, you were shooting through what looked like two, uh, two trees. So you had one tree going at roughly a 45 degree angle to the right, you had one tree going at a 45 degree angle to the left. And there was a, a standing deer. The thing was, when you were on the shooting peg and you shot it, unless you were very, very careful and you judged it right, it did not look like 32 yards. Because what I'd actually done is, the first tree was shot at a 45 degree angle, and then there's the second tree at um, a 45 degree angle the other way, and you were shooting effectively through the V. There was actually a third tree that followed the same angle as the first tree at 45. And what happened is, when you st stood there, you didn't really notice it. You kind of it merged in to the, the whole frame of the shot, and that hid and about another four or five yards. When you then went to the next shot, the next shot was um, you walked up a slight bank and you were shooting over a slight mound along some flat ground to an embankment and a target which looked like it was um, going up, climbing up the embankment. Now that was a shot that was towards a 3D. Now lots of people said, oh, all right, they, they walked up the shot and said, yeah, it's a 3D Wolverine. It wasn't. It was actually a 3D bear. And people will go, what? A bear and a wolverine, they're nothing alike. Well, yeah. But what we've done is there's a, a leaning bear 3D target. I don't know if it's still produced now. Um, and this was what a really old leaning bear 3D target. And they've been quite badly shot out. And what we did is, rather than having leaning it up against the tree, which is normally seen as though the bear is trying to like clamber up the tree, we put it on the ground and we put it on the ground with the head going down towards the base of the tree but actually it was um, a couple of yards behind the tree and that's important if you ever put a 3D out don't put them right next to trees because if an arrow goes into the 3D there's still a lot of energy in it and the arrow tends to whip around a bit and if the arrow whips along and catches the tree chances are that arrow will break especially wooden arrows so always leave an arrow length at least. It also makes drawing, drawing arrows easier. But we'd put it so that the bear's head was actually behind the tree going down. So the kill zone, the high scoring zone, was near the tree. Now anybody who looked carefully at it would actually have identified that, but a lot of people, because of the terrain, because they couldn't see the entire animal, because they're not used to seeing that 3D in that position, just said, brown target, roughly that size, or it looks like the big, 3D Wolverine and they shot it but because of the way that the target was set up and it, the target is normally set up 40 yards plus and we'd only set it at 33 yards because of the fact that the, the animal was angled and it was going looking like it was going behind the tree it changed the perspective of the shot and lots of people ended up shooting in the bum the back because that's where they thought the head was and then suddenly when they got up there they went they tricked us and like yeah we are tricking you we this is that was our that's why look twice shoot once the next target i can't claim because that was actually sharon came up with the idea and the idea was you're almost shooting vertically straight down i think it was about four or five yards and it, you're, you're on top of an embankment and you're shooting straight down into a uh, 3d frog um, and it was deliberately done so that you don't normally have the situation where you literally got to aim almost vertically 
straight down. Really tough. The target after that, though, again, was another one at 32 yards. It was another deer, almost the same size as the, as the first one. But this time, what we'd done is we'd set it. There was a lot of bracken in the um, terrain, uh, in, in the grounds that we were using. And there was this lovely, um, it wasn't a silver birch. The silver birch was behind it. Um, I think it was a hazel a cop, a tree. And what happened is as it had grown, um, the lower branches had gone. But it gave you almost like a letterbox window. So you had the, bra the uh, bracken vegetation up to about three foot, three and a half foot, a gap. And then you had the, the tree canopy coming in at about, six foot high and because the distance and where we positioned the shooting peg we then put this standing deer and the archers couldn't see the legs of the deer they could only see effectively the top um, one third they could see the kill zone if they were careful if they were positioned themselves right but it was again an optical illusion it gave the, the um, view that uh, because of the tree canopy, okay, well, okay, where it was, I can't see, because the dappled light is falling on the animal, yes, I can see the animal, but he said, quite hard to see. I can't see the legs, so, okay, is it a big deer, is it a small deer? I can see the outline. Again, a shot which requires you just to take that moment, that's that few moments to, to look carefully and to look again. And using that dead ground, using the intervening terrain, using the cover that's available to you, is what a good course layers and course layers will try and do. So it's you know the target is partly hidden, whether it drew by the tree, whether it be by the undergrowth, it is partly hidden, and it's harder to gauge. And one of the things that's really hard to gauge, and I, I struggle with this, um, is shooting over water. If you have a a pond, a lake, anything like that. Um, it's really hard, I find, to shoot across water and, and get your head into how far a shot is. You know, there used to be one, uh, Charnwood Archers, up in Leicestershire, I think it was. They used to have a very large um, pond in the middle of their wood. And they had built a 3D floating crocodile. This thing was huge. If you ever seen Lake Placid, it looked like that. It must have been a 20 foot long floating crocodile. And they would anchor it with ropes in the middle of this um, pond. And there was a poor lad there in a canoe the entire day. He must have been frozen on some days. And what would happen is you'd, you'd shoot this from an embankment and you'd try and get your arrow into it. And any arrows that missed this, you do, this little lad would um, row out and try and recover the arrows and it was quite funny actually because the wooden arrows obviously float and those of us who were lucky enough to get it in the target the arrows were retrievable from the target if you've ever seen compound arrows they or um, aluminium arrows they bob up and down in water they bob up and down so long as there's air trapped inside but if the water gets in they start bobbing up and down again lower and lower and lower so this young lad would be going out paddling out there desperately trying to catch to, to catch the arrows before they would sink and, and some people that shot carbons didn't like shooting it because all the weight of the carbon arrow is obviously in the pile so they would see their kind of arrow upend 
and the fletchings bob up and down and gradually going lower and lower. You're going quicker, get me arrow, get me arrow. We thought it was quite funny. Um, often wondered when they if anybody ever dredged that pond, how many arrows they'd find at the bottom of it. But anyway, that's the by the by. My comment was shooting over water is quite difficult quite challenging it's a bit like shooting over a large field at a target I, I find that quite um, quite challenging but again it's practice it's doing it getting used to that kind of shot um, not taking everything at face value so my top tip goes back to what I said in the last top tip yes it's like look twice shoot once was from last time my tip today is don't overthink it though don't get to a stage where they're, they're, you're second guessing every shot I had um, an archer who shoots um, crossbow come up to me when I set a, uh, a champs course once and he said you completely messed with my head well done and I said to Cole what, what do you mean he said I was second-guessing myself after about third or fourth target because what you'd done and we'd done as a, we had done this as a team we consciously decided that no target was going to be set out at the maximum distance but at, n at no point would any target be set out at a flat distance i.e. what I said earlier 30 35 yards or anything like that there'd always be either a little bit lower so it'd be 28 yards 27 yards rather than 30 yards or it'd be 33 yards rather than 30 yards and Colin said to me he says you just used the ground and you it was just enough so that I was hitting the target but not quite getting in in the 20 or the 24s in, in the highest scoring zones and I had another ironically crossbow guy come up to me and he said to me I've had to take he said at half time, he said, I've had to take two second crossbow bolts. I never have to take second crossbow bolts, and you've tricked me. And the thing being was, we've tricked them. It hasn't been because of the fact the target was set at a long distance. It was because that we'd set the target in such a way as we'd been clever, or tried to be clever, and it seems to have worked. It was still hittable and a challenge. Yeah, They, they weren't stretch targets. I had one person tell me they were stretch targets and I turned around and said, these are the distances, here you go, can you tell me which ones are stretched? And he went, oh, they're not. I went, no, they're not. Because you get, um, when you agree to do a, a champs course, you actually get distances, um, allocations as to how far pegs should be. And uh, we made a conscious effort to make sure that everything that we did, you know, we had one target, we had one group, one target. And they can be set out at, um, at 70 yards and we put one on the hillside and when I ranged around it it was coming up at 68 to 69 yards and because it was a chance course we figured everybody would think we'd have pushed it further and because it was again we what we'd done is we put this this huge great big 3d elk uh, sorry it's caribou and we put it so that there was a tree canopy just in front so it looked as though it was under the tree but in reality it was actually about three yards further back and again because you were hit that was on one hillside you were shooting off another hillside you couldn't necessarily work out because the ground went down and then back up 
it wasn't that easy and lots of people um, said that that was one of the best shots because they shot it and they got a real sense of achievement if they got it from first target but if they didn't they didn't mind because they meant they could go forward and they knew it wasn't stretched it was just clever course lane and this is the point spending that little bit of more time for clever course lane setting a targets that are challenging is really important but from an archer's point of view don't overthink things yeah don't don't kind of go oh well, this what, what what's wrong with this shot sometimes it will be just a straightforward easy shot yeah because if you set every single target on a competition course as a challenging shot it will be too fatiguing for archers and remember 60% of archers are there for a bit of fun they're not there to kind of win medals they're there for fun they're, they're supporting the clubs top archers will get the medals yeah but not every shot has to be a hard shot give them something that you know it's far better for an archer and I always say this when it comes to setting a course it's far better for an archer to come off and say oh I took a second and third arrows but I haven't blanked any I haven't lost any arrows if you get lots of archers if especially kids if they come off a of course they go oh I've blanked so many I've lost so many arrows that's going to put them on a real downer that's going to make them feel really down they won't want to come back to your club they won't want to do archery much more and it's far better for people to say yeah I finally got it but it was my third arrow yeah so don't make the courses too hard but also don't overthink things especially when it comes you know if you miss from the first target don't rush to take sorry from the first peg don't rush to take your second shot take the time if you miss from your first it's quite, it means that you misjudged the distance nine times out of ten so if you move closer and you've dropped short people instantly think well I've got it I'm closer therefore I've got to aim lower not always the case because if you've already dropped short from your first shot because you misjudged the distance think again look again yeah so don't overthink it have fun but take your time start to learn to read courses start to look at what course layers will do they'll use dead ground they will use lights they'll use inclines they will use optical illusions like setting pegs out in, in a straight line yeah they'll disguise the background they'll angle a target so that the target is not fully side on they might move it so that it's at a, a slight angle facing you or facing away from you so that the zones will look slightly different so take your time don't overthink it most of all though enjoy your shooting i hope you found this useful take care thanks for listening to this podcast if you'd like to get in touch with any questions or suggestions for future podcasts then drop me a line my email address is off the shelf at yahoo.co.uk that's off the shelf at yahoo.co.uk or you can check out the website offthearrowshelf.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening.